Welcome to the Eternal ROI Podcast, where we share the real stories of workplace transformation. And now, here are your hosts, Will Stewart and Chris Patton. Welcome to the Eternal ROI Podcast. I'm Will Stewart. So good to have each and every one of you watching and listening along. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Patton, CEO of His Way at Work. Hey, Chris, how are you? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. Doing fantastic. We have a great guest today. We do. We do. In fact, I'd like to introduce Joel Delph. Joel is the caring manager at Polydeck Screen Corp here in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I uh, just want to welcome you here and tell you how much we're excited to hear about your story and what you've got to share with the audience today. Well, I'm excited to hang out with you guys. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm, I'm excited to be here. I think we'll both be surprised. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the way it works. That's today. what makes a podcast interesting, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you're a special guest for us because typically we have CEOs come in. You're not a CEO. No. But I think every CEO who's listening, every person who has a business that they're wanting to improve needs to sit up and listen to this right. episode because I think you are really going to help a lot of people. So thanks for coming on. I'm honored to be a part. Yeah. So um, your role, your official role is caring manager uh, and you work with Polydeck. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about about what you do on a on a day to day basis. We'll we'll kind of discuss that for a second, but then I'd love to back up and then talk about everything that led you up to this point. So tell us a little bit about you. So uh, in your business, every single day, uh, you hire people, you empower them to solve problems, and uh, the problem I get to solve is helping our employees here in Spartanburg, on our sales team in Santiago. Uh, understand what it means to be uh, loved by God. Mm. And um, we do that by helping people when problems arise, when they are in crisis. Uh, There's employees who are coming to your workplace today. They're struggling in their marriage or they're struggling to make rent because of family issues, medical problems. And uh, we all bring those problems with us to work. I mean, we know how to smile. We know how to tuck in our shirt. But dealing with the demons inside our head really can slow down so many areas of our life. And so um, as caring manager, uh, it's my role and my opportunity to help pastor and care for people when they're going through hard seasons of their life. And uh, that's what I get to do. It's incredible. It's it's a great mission to have every day to wake up, I mean, to do that and to change people's lives directly. That's huge. It's, it's so important. We're going to talk about that in a bit, yeah. and we definitely we'll just dive deep into that because yeah. I think it's, yeah. we need to really explore that. But let's talk about you know, your path to coming to that position. Yeah. You know, how did this all happen? Yeah. Tell us about your journey. So um, I gave my life to Christ at a really young age, and um, my dad told me uh, when I was 11 years old, hey, I think you should be a pastor one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really made me mad because... Um, I don't know why is it that every single time someone's a Christian, they have to be in ministry. And so <laughs> he told me to go to Bible school. I went to business school. Um, he told me to get a Bible degree. I got one in economics, and then I headed off into the banking world um, where I had the opportunity of running uh, banks in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and then in Charlotte, North Carolina. And about five years in, uh, God got a hold of my heart and challenged me to uh, surrender what I thought was ministry just in the marketplace and actually go into full-time ministry. So I did that uh, for eight years in Charlotte, North Carolina with a church uh, called Elevation Church. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, if you don't know what Elevation is, uh, it's a, an incredible ministry, 20 locations, 
um, just cleared over $100 million in offerings, which is pretty wow. insane. I know CEOs love to hear numbers, yeah. and so uh, you can pull over and write $100 million. <laughs> and um, uh, But God's done an amazing work through that ministry, mm. and I've had an opportunity of being there for almost eight years. Mm. About six years in, God started knocking on my heart again about um, caring for the uh, guy who doesn't just see Sunday as the destination, but Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, his corporation isn't just a place where he makes money. It's a place where he gets to care and steward uh, the people that God's entrusted him with. And mm. so God started pricking my heart about going into ministry and the marketplace. And I was like, well, I don't even know what that looks like. And then Polydeck reached out wow. and said, we're looking for a caring manager, someone who's got a blend of business background and who's been in ministry. And um, I've been able to kind of meld both worlds in from my corporate experience and uh, my season as a pastor. And so uh, it's been a pretty amazing journey that's brought me to Polydeck, and uh, I'm loving the ride. That's incredible. It's, it's amazing how uh, you, you usually don't find people who are both in a have a foot in the the pastoral religious right. sector right. and then the business sector usually there's a there's a very thick wall that shall Language never be crossed is one part of that wall and you're bilingual yeah yes. exactly which it's makes true. it an incredible ministry for you it's true and you know i think as the church keeps evolving when you look back at who jesus chose as the disciples they weren't a whole bunch of theologians he sure. could have gone to the temple and picked a whole bunch of pharisees convinced him who he was, yeah. and those have been his 12 guys. But he chose business leaders in the marketplace to start the church. Yeah. Three years on earth, started a global movement that we're still feeling today, and most of the leaders he chose were corporate ones. That's incredible. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it really is. So your day-to-day, -day, what does that look like? Yeah. So... Um, I have the opportunity of helping um, our employees in five main ways and five C's. Um, we call them celebration, community, calling, um, uh, career, and then crisis. Those are the five areas that I focus on any given day. So crisis, when uh, an employee doesn't show up to work and they trend, you know, they're pretty consistent. We try to figure out what's going on outside of uh, work that's inhibiting their work performance. So crisis helping them when life hits hard. So if someone's car breaks down, we actually have a fund at work that helps them repair their car. Or if a recent storm rolls through and someone's roof has a leak, we've got a home repair fund that helps employees. So um, I help manage those funds. Uh, calling, creating a marinade of God's love. We have uh, on-site Bible studies available for our employees and either myself or some other local pastors in the area will help lead those. Um, celebration, uh, creating amazing parties and significant events where people can bring their families together and realize that we aren't just a company that cares for the employee, but we also want to care for the family. And so that could be uh, our Easter celebration, or we take all our families to a place called Carowinds. It's a pretty big amusement park in our area, and we pay for every single employee mm -hmm. and their family members to go. We do that once a year. Uh, coming up, we've got a fall festival, Christmas parties. Those are some things I help with. Community, 
serving locally, nationally, and globally. So uh, we really believe in community service. In 2019, we served over 1,300 hours as a company. And so employees were able to serve at local food banks and blood collection centers and uh, even go on international mission trips to Nicaragua and serve for a week. And so it's been pretty amazing to see what happens when your employees don't just work together but sweat together uh, in the community. And so um, those are the ways I'm trying to care for people, and those are the programs that we've developed to help do that, and uh, it's pretty amazing. So differentiate that with what you just described, and you went into a lot more detail um, that helps flesh this difference out. But initially when you said, I care for employees, you sounded like a chaplain. Right. So I know there's a, a difference, yes. and I, I know that Polydeck also has chaplains uh, yes. in the in the business. So differentiate between those two and then how you work together with the chaplain. So uh, uh, chaplain is an amazing resource for me because they are a neutral party who doesn't wear a polydeck uniform. They are a safe place. When you, when you say something crazy to a pastor, uh, they are protected by law. And so if you have a hard, crazy situation, they don't have any vested interest other than that person. And so our chaplain is really a great safe place for people to talk about the hard issues. For me, think of me more like a gateway. Um, I understand I can go there, but then I'll help delegate to a corporate chaplain. Or if they need counseling, we have professional counselors Mm. um, on tap where we will direct them. And so for me, I'm helping create and strategize the whole program that cares for employees. And so that may be directly asking them how they're doing, but then also creating avenues where um, they're getting together with other employees. So it sounds like you and the chaplain, but let's talk about you, are a very busy (laughs) day-to-day individual. But I know there's a little bit more to this, so tell us about your team how is it that you get so much done? How do you execute right. so much? So um, w- I really execute through two levels. Uh, one, the, this is the biggest way we execute a lot of what we get to do is uh, I have a care team. And the care team is comprised of, of employees throughout the organization. So we have employees who are on our sales team who are on the care team. We have employees in customer service or Uh, We're a manufacturing plant, so we have guys who are welders who volunteer on the care team. And they really are the eyes, the ears, and the mouthpiece for everything caring. And so if a welder is going through something hard, we had a welder who, a wife, she worked at a convenience store, and the convenience store was robbed. Mm -hmm. And uh, her brand new car was stolen by the robber Mm -hmm. and totaled. Well... Um, how long does it take for you to hear those crazy stories at work? Well, not very long for us because the next day that welder went to the care team member and said, hey, man, I'm really struggling. This is what happened. And we were able to come alongside and support that family. And so the care team is really great because they are champions for our caring culture. And it's great to have core values written on a wall or written on a business card or written um, in your employee handbook but it's even better to have people who live out those values. And our care team, they are employees who are great performers at what they do, but they also genuinely care for people. And because of that, they're really able to exponentially multiply what I get to do every day. 
And so they know when to call me, when not. Uh, they know when to share some things, and it's a pretty awesome partnership. And then alongside me, practically, I have a caring specialist. Uh, she was a buyer for Chiquita, and I convinced her to leave her job <laughs> and come and work for me. So she brings a lot of financial acumen, and uh, it's a really great asset for our organization. Fantastic. So on that team idea, the caring team, is this a, a st structured thing, or is it just pretty much you've got people out in the company that you know you can tap on uh, or tap to, to help? Tell me a little bit about the structure and how that works. So the structure is uh, these employees uh, commit to a one-year uh, period of volunteer service. We have monthly meetings, and then I check in with them if not every week, every other week to kind of figure out what's going on. So the official side of it is, is yes, they commit to a one year stint as care team members. Uh, the organization knows who their care team member is um, and they are gonna walk around intentionally and make sure people are doing okay. If someone's missing work, they try to figure out what's going on mm -hmm. and they'll communicate that to me if there's a need or opportunity to serve. And um, uh, this week we're actually having an offsite. So we do an annual offsite where we take that team off of the property from work and we talk about, hey, this is what's going on over the next 12 months with everything in the world of caring and how they can play a part. And you've got a budget. I've got a budget, right? yes. So they, the team helps you determine how that's going to be spent and yes. where the needs are going to be met, the different funds that you mentioned, that yes. kind of thing. So if, if I'm a CEO or a business owner or leader and I'm thinking I would love to have all these things getting done, but I don't know how to do it myself or I know I don't have enough bandwidth to get that done, is this an option? Obviously, you believe yes. in it. but. Speak to where, from where you've been, how much of a, how much more of an impact this can be, for a business owner to have this in place. Things are happening when they're not looking, right? right? People are have are bringing up needs that they would not bring to the owner, right? right? They're speaking to the chaplain in in certain cases about mm -hmm. things they wouldn't speak to anybody else about. Right. But what about what are some needs, or give us an example of a need that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been met or a situation that wouldn't have been handled if it was the CEO or owner just trying to do it all on their own? Well, so I think, I think really where um, the business world can learn from nonprofits is the power of volunteerism. Uh, so in my previous world, um, we were able to run a campus of over 3,000 people every weekend with a staff of under seven. And we're able to do that because we had 400 volunteers who were serving on a given mm -hmm. weekend who were empowered to make church happen. And so uh, business leaders understand the power of empowerment each and every day. And what if empowerment also meant not just getting the job done, but also the way we care for people? So practically, uh, we had an employee. Uh, he's a leader in the organization. Great guy. Um, have a DUI. And when you have a DUI, that's typically not something you want to go tell your CEO. <laughs> and so he uh, came into the office and said, hey, I really messed up. And uh, we were able to uh, walk through him with everything going on practically from a legal standpoint, but then also able to minister to him with what he was going through emotionally. Why was he drinking? Oh, um, two of his family members have died over the last year. Mm. Uh, abusive relationship with another family member. And then when we start unpacking what was going on, you can see the method behind the pain. Mm. 
And uh, he actually gave his life to Christ in wow. uh, his first counseling session with um, our licensed counselor, who's also a pastor. And uh, it was really amazing to see um, him get not just help that he needed, but true healing through a system that we've been able to create that yeah. says, hey, when you're going through something, you can bring it to work and not get fired. Wow. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Having a process is so important. You know, like a CEO would never market a company without a process. You know, or by him or herself. Right. Just mm -hmm. on the, just themselves doing it. They're going to have a team in place. They're going to have a structure exactly. process. Yeah. I mean, if you're manufacturing, you're going to have a process. You're going to have, you know, the widget starts here, yes. goes all the way through the factory and goes out this this door. Mm -hmm. But caring for employees sometimes can just be without a process. You know, there's certain CEOs who will probably say, well, we have a pretty good thing going on. You know, I'm taking care of it myself. You know, maybe I have a volunteer that's helping me with this. Why is a why is a process so important to to put things in writing to put things steps you know uh, in place to take care of your employees? Right, I think a process ensures that what you believe philosophically is actually executed practically. And uh, the hard part about being a leader is you get to hear as much good or um, as little bad as you want to hear, mm. and. Uh, uh, when you do care as a um, CEO, it's amazing because you're using your influence that you have in the organization, which is immense for good. But the problem is, is you may think that because you care, everyone in the organization does. Yeah. And so when you submit your belief system to a process, what it helps ensure is at, at least some base level standard, what you believe is actually being lived out throughout your organization. Fun fact, not everyone is smiling at everyone when they walk in the office. Fun fact. Um, but when you're the CEO, people tend to perk up and say good morning. They may not say good morning for the rest of the day. But when you, Mr. or Mrs. CEO, walk through, people perk up, they straighten up, and they know what you want. Um, the, the crazy thing about being a CEO is everyone around you has spent 10 to 75% of their time studying what you want and what you like. Yeah. And so uh, when you submit what you believe to a process, it helps ensure that what you believe is actually being lived out. Yeah. I read a quote by John Maxwell today. It says, if I prepare well today, I won't have to repair tomorrow. That's great. Which I think is fantastic. That's great. You know, yeah. because there's a lot of uh, CEOs, I think, that are, are well-intentioned. Sure. that are want to do something well they just haven't prepared for it you know yeah. they haven't prepared for the dui yeah or the the mm -hmm. transmission falling out of the, the the car what are some of the ways that you know and here's the, the thing i want to back up too with polydeck polydeck's not a touchy-feely company necessarily it's no. in, a, in the mining industry right it's manufacturing right it's mm -hmm. tough and gritty i yes. mean there's nothing you yes. know delicate about it at all right. right um but yet you have tremendous stories of people who uh are caring for each other Yes. You know, and I think that's the thing that's different about his way at work and the, the system with that is it's not top down. It's people caring for each other and being empowered. Talk about that difference, because we talked about the CEO part, but like with having having a care team leader, you know, being part of the the, the group of employees. Right. Well, I think, you know, well, one, there's nothing perfect about Polydeck, and so I don't ever want to lie in a podcast. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is a big microphone to lie on, but, but uh, we've got our flaws, but I think what makes uh, Polydeck a special place is we do have a clear true north, mm -hmm. and 
when we're not living up to our values, at least um, someone can call that out. Mm. And so I think the biggest fruit of our caring culture year in, year out is we do have a true north that people can challenge us on. And so uh, I can tell you countless stories of how we've been able to care for our employees. And as a pastor, as a former pastor, as a recovering pastor, <laughs> I don't know if it's like being an alcoholic, I'm not sure. Uh, but um, I've seen uh, us care in ways that I, I've never even experienced in the church world. Mm. And so we had an employee last summer whose apartment uh, was lost to a fire. And within... 10 days, we were able to give her a check for over $17,000 Wow! Uh, because we've decided to say with our process that uh, we have an employee fund where if someone's going through something, employees can donate, uh, can donate money uh, for that issue. And then the company will match. Uh, I think we match right now four to one. And so we're wow. able to practically not just pray for her and not just say everything's going to be okay, not send just a card. send a card or bring a meal, but actually say, hey, now you have the funds and resources to um, go and find a new home. Mm. And so she was actually able to help buy a new home, uh, something that she's never been able to do. Um, and I think that's really amazing. Wow. So let's touch back real quick. Yes. Amazing story. Yes. But I want to point out the system in yes. that. Yes. The system is four to one match yes. of employee donated funds out yes. of their pocket. Yes. So a couple things about a system and a process. It's fair to all. Yes. So it's blind to gender, color, yes. length in the company. Mm-hmm. It is simply if there's a need, the employees pass an envelope around and everyone gets a chance to donate and whatever's in the envelope is matched four to one yes. out of the caring team's fund. Yes. So over $3,000 was raised by employees for yep. this lady in the yep. apartment, and then another, what, $14,000 yes. match money. Correct. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how does that drive culture? What if that employee has a need but has not been a team player, has not been someone that is truly engaging with the company and, and walking in line with core values and they're actually causing trouble here and there, but not quite enough to get right. disciplined or even terminated. But they're just kind of a, what you'd call a, maybe a bad apple or one that's headed there. How does how does this system affect them? Well, so one, um, the variable in the generosity of the company is the input of each employee. Mm-hmm. And so um, if someone is kind of like that, then people tend to give less. But I've also seen if the need is, is significant, uh, Grace kind of covers over everything, which is pretty amazing to see. And uh, not everyone at Apolitech is necessarily a believer or a strong Christian, right. or they're going to church every Sunday, but people get when real needs arise. And I think that's kind of the amazing thing that you see with a family kind of culture. What kind of an impact can you have on that person I just described when the employees use Grace yes. and live it out and they get this yes. huge opportunity? Yes. So it's a big deal. And and another point on that, the CEO had nothing to do with the 17000 except putting in place a process years back right. so that as these needs pop up, there's a way to handle it, yes. and it's addressed. And, you know, without the process, 
then everything rises and falls on one person, that CEO, to make a difference in the moment. The plus side of it is, is you get to be the hero <laughs> when uh, you hear of the need. The downside of it is, is you don't train and empower a whole culture of people to shift in their view of thinking. That's right. And so the amazing thing is, is there are times when I hear of needs that are being met by other employees that never come to the Polydeck you know, wallet. Um, I've heard of employees who are having other employees stay with them for three, four, five weeks because of issues in their mm -hmm. home. I've seen that stuff happen. Yeah. And so the, the, the fruit of generosity is always more generosity. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And the company's setting the standard to say, hey, you should be this way. You should be this kind of a company. Yeah. Um, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. The, the CEOs who might be listening to this, they might say, you know, the purpose of a business is to survive and right. to make money, make a profit and hire more people, grow, mm -hmm. survive so you can hire more people, grow. It's not to just give $14,000 to people, that's you know, right. yeah. um, when they're unfortunate to, to lose. It's, it's yeah, 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 I get it. You know, that's a sad event, but, you know, life happens. Hopefully they had insurance. Let's move on. Kind yes. of thing. Yeah. What, what's the eternal return on investment? for this? Why is it important for a company to set aside dollars? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be millions. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands. It could be just thousands. It could be something. Why is it important to start fostering that culture and getting these processes in place? Well, first of all, I'll say this is if you aren't creating something that's bigger than you with your company, then people will leave most of their brain in the car when they come to work Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And so I remember listening to a uh, interview with a lady who was one of the um, vice presidents at Google. And they asked her, hey, why did you go to Google in the middle of Silicon Valley boom when you could have gone to any other dot-com? And she said, because the CEO told me, would you like to help me change the world? And whether you like Google or not, mm -hmm. you can say in some instances, they've completely changed the way we live life every single day. Yeah. And so if you have a company where the only thing you're trying to do is survive, and that's your mindset each and every day, you probably need to rethink some things. Mm -hmm. And so um, good companies are turned into great companies when their values drive their actions each and every day. Mm. Um, and so you see that in faith-based companies, you see it in secular-based companies, but when you have values that drive your actions, that's when you really engage employees, where they bring their best, and you actually succeed and thrive even more. And so um, that's really what I would address with that. But then practically, yes, I understand that the purpose of a business isn't to just give money out, but what you're doing is you're helping to retain employees because when you do something for one person that everyone sees it, it really just shifts the game. And we are not just competing each and every day for business, we're also competing each and every day to retain our talent. It's true. Yeah, it's a great point. So take it a little bit further uh, on the eternal part. Mm -hmm. So from the standpoint when you were a pastor, if you can go back to right. your eyes as a pastor and you want to convince those in your church that what they're doing in this life is important, but what happens after this life as a result of what they've done in this life, that's what 
actually matters, right? right? Mm-hmm. Instead of a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day financial statement, what about a 3,000-year yeah. result, yeah. right? So, so in light of that and now where you are in the business, speak to those business owners and leaders that are thinking, what, you know, what is my role in this overall kingdom of God? What I know I'm supposed to do business, make money, and support the church with my tithe and, and even give into the community and support even employees. But, but step up 10,000 feet or 10,000 years, and what, what should they be thinking about in that regard? You know, life is real short. And um, if you're a CEO or a business leader, you've seen a lot of people pay um, some pretty hefty prices for success. Uh, marriages being destroyed, uh, relationships with children, uh, non-existent, late hours, health issues. And when you serve the almighty dollar, it will always come up short. Um, I remember uh, when I was a banker, I had an, uh, a customer come in and he'd drive in different cars every day. So one day it'd be a Jaguar, another day it'd be this Mercedes uh, station wagon, uh, E55 AMG for those uh, those, those out there. Love that um, one. He had a Ferrari that he'd bring out, but he would come and talk to me for 30, 45 minutes every day. And I realized that he was lonely. He was lonely because he had spent his whole life driving for results that ended in bigger paychecks. But... He paid the price for his family. Mm. And so when we think about the time we have on this earth, which is incredibly short, and the opportunity we have as business leaders to impact people where they spend a significant period of their Mm. life with their jobs at least 40 hours a week, I mean, there's something so much more than just uh, a bigger invoice. And I think when when you can focus on something so much more, it shifts your uh, level of appreciation with what you do. It's a deeper level of purpose because you know there's stages of business growth where you go from surviving to thriving. And then when you start thriving, if you don't have a right purpose or a vision, you start getting bored. Yeah. So that's where the second and third car happens mm-hmm. um, and everything else that fails people each and every day. Sure. Yeah, John Rockefeller was famously quoted as saying, you know, how much money is enough money for him? The richest man in the world. And he said, just one more dollar. One more dollar. You know, and that's not a life of contentment. No, no, it's not. You know, what you're describing is a life of contentment, serving people, investing in other people. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's bottom line. And if we can love on and care for employees in a way that honors God, in a way that points them to him, we don't have to walk around the workplace with a bullhorn. Right. We are preaching the gospel in our actions and supporting it with our words, right. right? But we're displaying God's love before we walk around declaring it. And when we do that, uh, one of the things that we all need, whether we are a first-time employee or a CEO, is we need accountability. Mm-hmm. And when we submit our philosophical views on life to a process and a system, it calls ourselves out when we aren't living up to our values. Yeah. And the hardest thing is, is if we're the leader of an organization is to ever get called out with anything and how much more, how much better should it be that our culture helps self-correct us when we're, when we're low. One of the prayers my dad had for me is like, God, make it easier for him to do right and hard for him to do it wrong. And (laughs) when we build strong cultures, even in our low days, um, it helps can, it can help bring us back up. That's excellent. So on accountability, I want to touch on one thing I forgot to ask earlier on the caring team. 
so if I'm a CEO and I am giving a budget to this caring team and I'm saying, all right, you guys are going to determine how it's spent. You're going to love on and care for employees. How do I know that it's working? What is the accountability on the team back to leadership to say, all right, this is working? What kind of, what do you measure? What do you report back? Give us some idea of that. So um, practically, we submit a monthly report that shares what's going on in the world of caring, those caring activities. Um, and then conversations also help drive if this is being effective. And so um, it's great to write awesome reports, but there are some things that are just intangible that you have to communicate. And so, but practically every month we submit a report to show what's going on, how many people are we caring for, um, the issues that we're seeing as trends, and um, how we're addressing them. I remember an example. You mentioned Carowinds. Yeah. I remember an example shared with me early on that uh, when they first started doing Carowinds, this is before yours and my yeah. time, uh, that the first time they did it, it was just this brilliant idea. We're going to pay for employees and their family members admission to this theme park, yes. and we're going to have this incredible win from this and impact these families. And it was like a 20% showing. And when they went back, number one, they measured to know that it was 20% and clearly well below what their expectations were. They went back and shockingly asked the employees, why only 20%? Yes. And the employees said, it's an hour away and we don't have the gas money to actually get there. Mm. And we don't have the money when we get there to pay for the food because it's ridiculously expensive. They they draw you in with the admission and they yes. just knock you over the head with the food. And so Polydex shifted gears, pays now $50 gas card yes. for every employee leading up to Carowinds and then pays for some of the food in the park. Yes. And then suddenly you've got this massive engagement from the employee base because you're asking questions, but you're also measuring to determine there's a problem. Yes. So that's, to me, that's a fantastic picture of caring in a business, but not just ad hoc, not just without the process, but with with real accountability built in and asking where can we do it better? How can we make it better this year than we did last? Kind of like your one you're offsite with your caring team. How are we going to make this next year better? And what I've always found is when you listen to our employees, and that's what the care team helps us do, is they have a really amazing ability to self-correct things that aren't hitting right things that aren't on target and so that's a really awesome point rather than the top leadership trying to figure out yes based on their perspective what yes. it looks like yes because yeah. it's always going to be skewed yeah, yes no doubt Never no true. doubt so one other question i had on back to the, i know i kind of pop back and i'm jumping back into the eternal picture so i know there are people out there that are going to be listening or watching this podcast that are one not yet into in a leadership role or maybe they even are mm-hmm. but they've either been taught actively or possibly just haven't heard teaching otherwise mm-hmm. that says if i'm going to be and you said it kind of earlier you said i hate the fact that if you got to be a you're going to be a christian you have to be in ministry to live that out right yeah. there's a a mindset today that if you are going to be a christian and then you're going to be a real christian you're going to leave the secular and go to the ministry. You're going to leave business. You're going to leave education. You're going to leave medicine. 
and you're noble if you walk away from that right. to go into the ministry. Right. But I think I know your heart on this, that both are the ministry. Right. So speak to that and, and specifically speak to those that might be in that limbo thinking, I really don't feel like I'm engaged in the in God's kingdom other than just through making money and and giving. Or I don't think I have any choices as I go look forward in my career. I've got to go into the ministry or I've got to compromise for the dollar. Mm. <laughs> um, when Jesus uh, commissioned us all, he didn't commission uh, the Levites. He didn't just commission pastors and preachers. Uh, he commissioned every follower to go and make disciples. And so if you can think that you've been specifically positioned for a purpose, then all of a sudden you realize that you have a platform to really make the name of Jesus great and authentically impact people for his kingdom. And so what I've learned through my time in the banking world and being in ministry is there's something really powerful about someone some woman, some man who owns their position to make an impact for God's glory. And so I've seen that with executives who worked for beer companies who realize that they've been placed for a purpose. Um, I had a friend of mine who was a marketing uh, assistant for a cigarette company, and she realized that she's the only Christian in her company, but she's been positioned for a purpose. And um, when God gets a hold of our heart, he can use us at any spot. And in fact, he really wants to use us with all our gifts, talents, and abilities. So if you're a doctor, be a doctor. If you're a lawyer, be a lawyer. If you're an administrative assistant, be an administrative assistant. And when you look from Genesis to Revelation, you see God using people at every level of the totem pole to make an impact when they own their position. And so that's the thing that I've learned through my life is it's more impactful for me to say, okay, God, how can you use me today where you've placed me with my gifts, with my talents, with my abilities, because you are a mouthpiece that no one else can be. That's right. And the amazing thing about doing ministry in the marketplace is your work ethic, um, the way you interact with people, that is your ticket for them listening to you. A pastor can't walk in to your organization and speak with the same level of authority and authenticity about faith than you do, mm. because you're living it out. They hear when you cuss out the, the client and then have to go back and say sorry. They hear that. And really, it's not by your perfection that people hear about Jesus. It's through your brokenness. Um, and so I think there's a song that um, our church sings, by his stripes we are healed. Mm. And I think a lot about by our scars, other people can see Jesus. Yeah, That's a great point. That's awesome. Great point. Yeah, so I was told one time by a pastor as I was just starting on my journey, uh, he said, if you step into the ministry, the ministry meaning you go on staff at a church, mm. and you walk into a group of business leaders and you say something profound, Many times, most cases, they look at you and say, well, that's what you're paid to do. Right. That is your job. Mm -hmm. But if you go into that same group as a business leader and mm -hmm. you say that, they look yes. at you and say, well, that doesn't match up. Yeah. Mm. 
tell me more. Yeah. But they dismiss what the pastor says too often because they feel like, well, that, you know, that's what he's supposed to say. You'd mm. expect a pastor to say that. Yeah. So I think that is exactly what you're saying. We've got huge influence, um, greater influence on those in our workplace than the pastor does. And frankly, by the stats, most likely two-thirds of our workplace aren't churched. Last year, Chris and I were in Texas, and uh, we saw one CEO talk to another CEO about some challenging dynamics in his workplace. And while I heard this CEO just like just challenging and going in hard with this other CEO, I realized it's like this is a sermon that will never be preached on a Sunday morning, and it can't be preached on a Sunday morning because a pastor is wearing the wrong clothes. Mm. And in those moments, it's a really amazing thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So having a caring team's great. You know, having a caring mm-hmm. team leader's great. Having that that uh, you know environment is fantastic. It's coming from a, a Christian perspective, a Christian background. Yeah. But not all um, employees are Christian. Right. Not all employees are churched. Some are nominal Christians. Some are mm-hmm. you know diehard. Then there's a thousand different religions. You yes. know which is great, then there's, you know, uh, agnostics and atheists, mm-hmm. and they're all in this melting pot, yes. which is the companies that are yes. that these they're serving. You know, Polydeck, I'm sure, yes. it's not 100%, you know, no. uh, Christian, right? So mm-hmm. does this work for everybody? I mean, there's the whole legal side of things, and then there's just the practical side, you know? If you're, if you're teaching something and having a philosophy, a Christian philosophy coming to someone who is an atheist, how does that all work? Right, well, one, uh, truth is objective. And so um, whether someone believes or not, uh, the truth is still just as real. But secondly, um, anything that we do specifically with faith, i.e. like a Bible study or an Easter service, all of that is completely optional. And uh, we never pressure employees in any way to uh, do any of those things. And when I think about faith is we want to create a marinade of God's love. So whether, whether you believe or you don't believe, you still get some of the good sauce with it. Yeah. And so um, I think really understanding the, the joy of the gospel is the ability to collaborate with others who don't believe what you believe. And it's okay mm. because everyone's on a journey. One of my favorite prophets, Daniel, was an executive who worked in a pagan company. I mean, yeah. but God still used them. And so I don't think it's necessarily uh, incumbent on all of us to proselytize or try and change people where they believe, but it's loving them where they're at. Mm. Um, I love my wife, and wearing my wedding ring isn't an accusation of anyone being single. It's just me being true with what I believe and who mm. I love. Mm. And the same thing is true about faith. Yeah. And I'd say that the, the Christian values, if they're lived out correctly, yes. are something that anybody can as, uh, ascribe to and appreciate. You know, you don't have to be a Christian to say, right. yeah, loving your neighbor like yourself is probably a good thing. Yeah. You know. Yes. 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 So um, this has been incredible. Yeah. This has been just an, an amazing discussion. I appreciate your generosity. It's It's been uh, just so, so super interesting to, to hear your heart. Um, I know lives are being changed, and I hope this has been something of an encouragement to CEOs who are listening to this to, to go, maybe, maybe I should find my Joel and, and bring him on. Um, do you have to be 
uh, a former preacher minister to be a, a care team leader? No. Okay. <laughs> Just need to be someone with a heart that can administrate. Someone with a heart who can administrate and um, someone who understands your values at a heart level. Because yeah. uh, there's lots of things you can't can train and there's some things you can't. And mm-hmm. uh, when you can find the right person that aligns with what you need for your company, uh, whether that is someone who's going to have another role while they also do this, mm-hmm. whatever it looks like for your model, uh, just make sure they have the right heart that aligns with your values. Yeah, yeah. it just makes the process work. That's the big thing. So what's a top resource or book that you would recommend for people if they're wanting to get started? Is there anything, like even a podcast or, or a book that comes to mind that they should be reading? Mm. Gosh. I know I sprung this on you. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a lot of different things right now. Um, something that would help. Um, oh, here's a great book. This is called, uh, the book is called Do Something. Mm. by. It's actually by a pastor, I'm sorry, uh, by a pastor <laughs> out in California, Miles McPherson. And uh, the book is really just challenging you to do something with your faith. Mm. And so that would be another one. That's a good one. Another one is uh, Chasing Daylight. Mm. by Erwin McManus, mm. and it's talking about uh, the, f- the finite nature of life and uh, doing something worthwhile while you have daylight. That's so great. those are two great books, Do Something and Chasing Daylight. Fantastic. Excellent. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And what do you think the big takeaway is from this chat? What do you think, what do you want these CEOs who are listening to take away from our conversation? Um, God can use you right where you're at. Um, Sunday morning is amazing. It's important. But your ministry starts at 8 o'clock on Monday morning yeah. or 7 o'clock or 6 a.m., whenever it starts for you. Um, uh, God's positioned you for a specific purpose. Um, he did commission you to be a minister of the gospel right where you're at. Just the same way a pastor is, same way a CEO is, if you believe in Christ. And um, you're awesome. You're doing it. Just by listening to this podcast, you're on your way there. Yeah. Keep moving forward. When you submit your personal beliefs to a process, exponential results happen. That's what yeah. I would say. Mm, that's well great. Man. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on to this. This was fantastic. Yep. Do you so mind good. if we take a moment to pray for everyone? Sure, let's do it. All right. Uh, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Uh, <laughs> don't drive by faith. That's not smart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for uh, the way you love us. I thank you for the way you designed us with gifts, talents, abilities, and even quirks that don't make sense until you've placed us in the middle of our purpose. And um, I ask you that we will trust you uh, with all of ourselves. Um, help us to realize that there are spiritual things going on in the middle of numbers um, and that you want us to walk not just by sight but by faith. So bless us right where we're at, but help us to believe that you are a God that wants to do exceedingly, abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening along. So glad to have you uh, on this podcast. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you've if you been intrigued by everything that Joel has said and you're uh, thinking like, maybe I should you know start exploring this and thinking about it more, uh, his way at work is there to help you through that process. And it's, it's the process is the key. That's the that's thing true. that's most important. And his way at work has helped so many companies, big and small, different industries, kind of work through that and figure out what works for them. They have coaches that can help you and understand your situation. And so, uh, yeah, if they, if they want to reach out to His Way at Work, 
hwaw.com, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Chris and, and his whole team is there to help you. So uh, check that out. It's a great resource. They're doing things, they're pioneering in a way that I've never seen before. Uh, 18 years in business for me personally, worked with a lot of uh, companies and have not seen anything like this. So uh, wholeheartedly, I'm excited to be a part of it. So thanks, Chris, so much. Thanks, Joel. Really appreciate you. Thanks for coming. And, uh, thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, we'll see everybody later. See ya. See ya.